0: Welcome to the 189th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how are you doing?
1: Dude, I'm good. I'm good. I've literally had the longest way day of work, it feels like, in the history of days of work. It's like was one of those days where you log in and you immediately have to or do whatever you have to do, whether you walk in the door and you immediately have to start working. I'm one of those people I'd like a like a ten to fifteen minute ramp up. Not an hour, not something stupid, just ten to fifteen minutes where I can check my emails, blah blah blah, and then get in the mental place to work. But today when I walked in or signed in, it was so busy that it was like, Okay, I'm gonna work for three hours straight and it's just like and dude i was like i was afraid like at about five central time i was afraid i was gonna have to tell you i couldn't do the show tonight because that's how behind we were but we closed strong and i got everything caught up in time
0: i'm good to hear i'm glad to hear that man i will say um you i you might have wanted to trade uh what happened with me with work i i i honestly if i'm being straight with you I would prefer just like I sit down all of a sudden I got to get to work as opposed to what I did uh, a couple days ago, actually. Um, so I had to attend a press conference uh, for, for a sporting event. I'm not going to say which one, um, but I will say it was combat sports related. That's all I'll say. But so we got there and um, I don't have to normally wake up too early because I work like second shift. Um, but this time I did actually have to wake up pretty early and drive down to Detroit um, so I woke up at like seven in the morning to leave my house at like nine o'clock and I get there and I check in and I get ready and get all my stuff set up. And the press conference is set to start at nine. I, I mean, it started at 11. I get there at like 10 30, uh, when they let us in. And as I get there, um, all of a sudden it gets to around like 11 30 and we get told that one of the other fight, the other fighter, basically the one that's not from, uh, Michigan, uh, her flight got delayed, and we were gonna be waiting for a little while and We waited for about an hour and a half, just doing nothing <laughs> like absolutely nothing um and then like eventually, she finally was able to come in, and then the whole thing wrapped up like we like it took like maybe thirty minutes or something to finish the whole press conference and everything like that. So I got done from that press conference at like one thirty and got to leave at like. I want to say like two o'clock or something like that dude sitting on my hands. Like with that shit drives me insane. I need to be doing something. So I would have probably traded with you with the whole sit down. And all of a sudden you got to work thing because just sitting around doing nothing, dude, I was getting batty. I was just like, for the love of God, just show up, talk trash. I can get the interviews and let me go.
1: <laughs> so at my job, uh, you know, I can't say this. I'm used to a considerable amount of downtime, and I, I quite enjoy my downtime. And so, I, but the one thing is, when you're busy, you can't get online in internet shop and uh, spend money that you shouldn't spend. So, see, there you go. And yeah that 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 was the good thing about being busy. Uh, I'm just sent you something on Twitter. I, I designed those last night, just more something more to spend money on.
0: Uh, you guys can't see him but they're uh ftr uh flip-flops let's say 10 time top guys and on one end it says hashtag ftr and the other leg foot on the side it says lfg
1: yes so uh yeah so yeah that's what happens when i have too much downtime the cody (laughs) the cody shoes happen because i have too much downtime uh so yeah no um so i guess being busy does save me money uh but yeah um I uh, like I said, it's just it's it's kinda crazy how how, you know, like busy you can be and it's I guess it's that time of year, so just getting through everything. Right. <laughs> Didn't mean to yawn. I actually wasn't no, even you're good. <laughs> no, but uh yeah, it's been it's it's kinda crazy. So uh we're we're about to get even crazier time of year, uh, for us. Um. So I'm looking oh forward god, to that. Oh my god!
0: This this summer for AEW looks freaking ridiculous. I will say, absolutely ridiculous. I'm but calling it the
1: Floyd. I told you so tour this year. We'll <laughs> talk about that later.
0: Yes, we'll talk about that yeah. for sure. But yeah, we got a lot to get to with AEW uh, coming off of this episode of Dynamite that we just got. But before we get into everything, we want to make sure that you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts, and if you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to us. Uh, please give us a share with your friends, family, co-workers, whoever you wish. And you can also leave us a rating and a review to let us know how we are doing. But the easiest way for you guys to support us is by following us on Twitter. We are at, AT Elite Pod, not paying for Twitter blue, just so you know. Uh, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. So please check out all the other shows that they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter now. The big news of the week regards this podcast uh, because, as of today, as of April twenty first, twenty twenty three, we can officially say that all things elite is going to Chicago yet again. We have our tickets to go to the Wintrust Arena uh, AEW Dynamite show on. Uh, is it? February? It's June twenty first. Am I not correct? Yes, it's June twenty June first. 21st. 21st. And it will be at the Wintrust Arena in downtown Chicago. Myself, my sister Sydney, Floyd will be going. My good friend Tyler, who lives in Chicago, is also going to be there too. Shout out to him. So, uh, hey,
1: you know what? I'm going with my good friend Tyler that lives in Indianapolis. So that's kind of well, there random. you go. Yeah, so Tyler's will, the Tylers will be in the building. Damn straight.
0: <laughs> um, but yes, um, it's, very, it's very easy for you guys to understand why. You yeah. put the possibility of a CM Punk return on a show – you're gonna get your boy finding a way to make it happen yeah, so it's i it's
1: I'm, in, I'm in the fifth row i said i had to get on the floor and i actually got them for face value so i'm very happy with that yeah
0: i got mine for face value as well i so i overslept and forgot that the uh, forgot about it completely which i was like how the hell did i forget um and i, I wake up and i uh, like a half hour later and i'm like so terrified that like oh my god, I'm gonna get in there, and there's gonna be nothing there. I found hard cam tickets and I was like, whatever, first one I find that's decent, uh, sure, row F, whatever. Uh, And I grab them, and then as I check out, and I go back to the uh, ticket page actually to see what else was there, Um, I also saw row double F, row double C, row double B, and I was like, well, fuck, you know? Great, 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 great timing of not trying to, like, wait it out and try to find the best possible seats. But, Still, really good seats. I ain't gonna play, complain too much about it, honestly, because I, I, really, I could be in the nosebleeds, and if the CM Punk return happened, I'd still call it one of the best shows ever. It's really all that matters. So, um, yeah. So I'm going to see if I can once again see CM Punk on a rumor show up in Chicago uh, and be there live for it. Uh, be one of the very few people who can say that he's out of state, not from Chicago, but was there for both the first dance. And possibly yet again, Punk's return, if it happens, which I want it to happen. Oh, so I, I, bad.
1: I just, I just want to let everyone know, just in case you're asking who the realist is, the realist <laughs> out there. We are the only podcast. Both people in the podcast at the first dance and at CM Punk's return. Just think yeah. about that collectively I mean, to both of us. There. Now anytime. you know
0: now you know how much we take this shit seriously, how much we're mm. we're in this shit. Yes. We want it we wanna be there so bad. So I'm um it has now been, you know.
1: It has been since the nineties since I've last taken a sign to the show and I told my friend JR, because uh I want to be I hope I mean everybody's like, Well he should come out at the end of double nothing. No, I want him to come out at that day. So and I will have a special sign that says JR, I told you so. Because when this first happened, and it wasn't JR really wasn't one of the biggest doubters, he's just the person I talked to most. Yes, and I told him a hundred percent. He's like, So, what do you think the odds of him coming back? And I was like, The only reason he's not back now is because he's hurt. He would have, I think, if he was, you know, if that had happened and he was healthy. He, he would have been back a lot quicker, probably the same time as the Elite. But the only reason he wasn't back cuz he was hurt. I said he is out 100% coming back, and I never went away from that. Did I, Austin? No, you were straight on it for the entire time. Wrestling is fucking weird. You cannot take what you ha- happens at your regular job or what happens on regular other people's regular jobs and apply it to wrestling. Sid Vicious tried to stab Arn Anderson with scissors, and then they had to work together. I'm just like, dude, Bret Hart, apparently, and Shawn Michaels fought, and then they had to work Many together. Times. Yeah, when they had to work together. Like, Edge, Edge banged Matt Hardy's real-life girlfriend, had sex with her, and then they did a program together. Wrestling yeah, I, I, so many people forget yeah. stuff like that. But I, wrestling I is weird. This dude said some bad things and then they got backstage. Honestly, back in the day, we probably would have never even heard about it. Yes. And it's, it's just we did. We heard about it and everybody speculated and everybody's like, oh, if I was in the job at my Walmart and someone came and fought me, we'd both get fired. Yes, that's what happens at Walmart in in that environment. That's not what happens in professional wrestling. They tell you to shut up and let's go make some money. I am still 100% that the elite and CMFTR will have a match. I am 100% believe that will happen. Because guess what? Money is what talks in professional wrestling. That is what talks. They have contracts and they have a boss. And if Tony Khan says you're going to wrestle this guy, most of them are going to just do it. Because that's what you do in wrestling. But again, I don't know more about wrestling than anyone else. I'm not talking like I'm some expert. You can listen to any podcast, and if you listen to them, they will tell you the stories of the fucked up and weird shit that happens in professional wrestling. <laughs> and then these people work together. Stone Cold fucking walked out on the WWE. They brought him back. Brock Lesnar ended up suing the WWE. They brought him back. Ultimate Warrior came back. Every wrestling people come back. It happens. Yeah. Very rarely do people mess up so bad that they completely get blackballed. Exactly. And and I don't think a little skirmish in the back is going to get CM Punk. Still one of the biggest draws in AEW. Blackballed. I just don't think it's going to happen. And I honestly think his contract's too big to get rid of, honestly. Probably
0: at this point, honestly. (laughs) Um, But more so, I will say what I said last week and what I've said uh, for quite some time now. Wrestling is better when CM Punk is in it. I
1: will say that firmly and strongly, and I will not waver from that. AEW is great. I will watch AEW, whether CM Punk is there or not. Not. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But I can tell you, it was way more interesting week to week when CM Punk was there. Mm-hmm.
0: The only time period I could say that AEW might have been more interesting is when they literally were first starting out. And when we were like, we didn't know anybody and we were trying to get like get into all these guys that we didn't know and all that kind of stuff. And you had the entire elite, including Cody there as well. So but since since all that has kind of changed and AEW's grown to something that's been become massive and hugely successful and different, um, CM Punk has been the most interesting thing in pro wrestling in AEW and in pro wrestling for me. And yes, there is a gap, there is a definite like you can feel the difference. You can feel the difference now that he's that he's been gone for how long he's been gone. And I'm not saying again, for anybody who like needs to get their ears cleaned or doesn't understand what I'm saying, I'm not saying you have to like him. You can hate his guts. There's plenty of pe- people in wrestling. That are around all the time and do a lot of stuff that gets themselves over as a heel, as a babyface, or something. And I just don't like them, and I hate their guts. But I can't deny what they do work. I can't deny that what they do works. I can't deny it.
1: Yeah. So. So it's I. That's simple. I I and I want to throw this out there. I did a tweet, and I, I mean it, it got it got a little following. You know, got a little following. Dax liked it uh, fairly quickly. But- oh, Shout out. Yeah, I put up a picture of me and Dax, me and Punk, me and Kenny, and me and the Young Bucks. Very similar backgrounds. I, I, I made sh- the pictures I picked. I would have done
0: that same. I would have done that same tweet if I had a picture with FTR, which I still can't believe I don't have, and I need to get that
1: fixed. Yeah, so we will definitely get that fixed. But if you look at the pictures, I even said the FTR and the uh, Young Bucks backgrounds were the same. They were at the same place. They were mm-hmm. within a few minutes of each other. And then CM Punk mm-hmm. and Kenny Omega in the exact same place with the backgrounds on, right? Because uh, being that the point is. You can like all six of these people. Absolutely. I, 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 I've been very clear at the beginning. When I, people asked me whose fault, I was the only one that said I kept saying it's Hangman's fault. I never said it was the Bucks fault. I never said it was the Kenny's fault. I said it was Hangman's fault. I mean, it might be a joke because I didn't want to blame any of my six, favor- six of my guys that I love. You know, mm-hmm. and F- I still love Hangman too. F- FTR is my favorite tag team. The Young Bucks are my second favorite tag team. It's it, it, like, since you've known me, hasn't it been that way? Yes. N- never enter, an interruption. The moment FTR got out, uh, when FTR was still in the WWE, and we were still doing the beginning of the show, and they be like, who do you want? Like, I, want like, I want to see FTR versus the Bucks, right? And mm-hmm. then last year, as soon as I found out Dax and CM Punk got along, I was like, well, I want to see FTR and CM Punk versus the Elite. It was never about, oh, my God, they have real beef or anything like that. It was about watching six amazing wrestlers do their thing, right? Now, if you can back up some real beef in it and get people more interested in it, I am am all about that. But these people, six amazing wrestlers uh, that have entertained me for years, entertained me for years. I'm like, the first time I ever did the – Okay, this thing is, I'm absolutely just going at the last minute. They announced Kenny Omega versus Jon Moxley. The first person I ever did this for in AEW was Kenny Omega. They said, winner is coming one in Jacksonville. Jon Moxley versus Kenny Omega for the world title. I literally bought a ticket that day. Literally flew in, watched the show, flew out the next morning in Jacksonville. The first wrestler I did this for was Kenny Omega, not, not Cody Rhodes, not FTR. Kenny Omega was the first wrestler I did that for. I wanted to see Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. I wanted to see them in a wrestling match for the world title. Of course, Kenny Omega won. Winners coming was great. Sting debuted. It was all beautiful. But understand, these people have, you know, been amazing to me you know I saw it's kind of funny to say this I saw Kenny Omega's title win when he won the AEW world title live I saw CM Punk's AEW world title win live I saw Young Bucks win the tag team titles for the first time live and I saw the Dax and Cash win their tag belts for the first time live I've seen all of these dudes because they have All giving me amazing moments. The night in Chicago, night in Oklahoma City, which a lot of people don't realize this that that TM Punk's first world title win was in Oklahoma City on a cash in and he cashed in on edge. Mm -hmm. I was in the building for that. These people have entertained me so long that I love them all. And it's okay to love them all. If you ask me if I'm Team Punk or Team Elite, of course I'm going to say Team Punk. Because guess what? I didn't think it was anyway the Elite were leaving. But I, you know, you know, there was this little whisper in my ear. And it was mostly, it wasn't a whisper. It was the knocks of all my friends saying, CM Punk's not coming back. And it was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I am glad. All, I'm glad they're all coming back. If I never get to see them wrestle, I will be disappointed. But I don't think there's any way we don't get to see all six of these men wrestle. Too many people want it. Yes. So
0: that well now you guys know that we are going ahead and uh we'll be there for the Winchester yes. Arena
1: Dynamite. So uh, yes, you guys White, know that. White castle. Um, White castle? White castle. Uh, that's a yeah. that's a Floyd thing that I get excited about, White Castle. But uh yeah, dude i'm so i'm so, i'm really excited i'm pumped dude. i haven't done and like i said if, day trips if, if, in a while just yeah a-
0: and like i said if something comes out of like whatever the go-home show for uh forbidden door 2 and like i'm able to make that shit happen too because i'm not far away from toronto either um hopefully i'll be able to make that happen as well yeah um, four seats
1: are gone Floor seats are gone. I didn't think I was going to get floor
0: seats regardless for yeah, that show even yeah, if I tried when yeah, they released. No.
1: Yeah, floor seats are gone. Uh the other hundreds and stuff. Unlike last time, I do think they all they're I think to sell out Windstar, or I mean, uh is that what it's called, Windstar? Wind Trust. Uh, Wind Trust for Chicago. yeah. yeah. I think they're going to have to announce them. Yes. I think they're going to have to like a week or two say June 21st, CM Punk returns, and then it sells out. I don't think it's gonna just sell out on the rumor like it did last time.
0: No, absolutely. That's the thing, because the moment that that was the whole idea, It's like, literally, when they announced the show, people were chanting CM Punk. Yeah,
1: so. and it was like, seven years, you know, it was seven years. There was a lot of things that built into that selling out, and I just don't, like, now, I think I'm coming back. I still
0: the, can't believe I got tickets, dude, to that show. It's still wild to me.
1: Dude, dude, like, like when he jumps in the crowd and it's like you see my cheesy and smiling ass right there. And it was just like, yeah, it was it was
0: I, I, at that point. I was in tears. I'm pretty sure. Dude, but it was one of
1: the one of the y'all greatest can, moments. Y'all
0: can, y'all can take your I survived the Eras tour shit and shove it up your ass. I survived getting tickets to Forbidden Door. Yeah. I mean, not Forbidden Door, the first dance. Yeah, I did survive getting tickets for that, though, too. I
1: so got the first dance. That's two
0: Eras tours right there.
1: I got the first dance. i am gonna be wearing my first dance shirt. To the event. I'm going to wear oh, the yeah. original first dance shirt. And it'll be the first time I've worn it since I wore it home. That was it. that I wore it home. So uh, I've been very protective of the shirt. I'm a bit messy. I'm a messy. Oh, see,
0: I, I, I've worn the hell out of it. So
1: yeah, yeah, I'm a bit messy. So I have been very protective of white around me. Doesn't usually go together. So I'll be wearing that shirt to the event with Tyler. And his bir- Tyler's birthday is the 15th. Which is awesome because that's and me taking him is actually his birthday present on the twenty first. It just ended, yeah. up, ended up working out like that. And it's just like, and we had all said we were going to Forbidden Door, especially if it was in a. Uh, we were going to Forbidden Door if it was in Chicago again, and then we didn't get that. But it's like, oh, we get a, you know we get a dynamite, and not only do we get a dynamite, we get a monster dynamite. We get CM Punk coming back. Like if you were to asked me, Forbidden Door, very excited about. But if you ask me. Hey Floyd, you only can go to one: Forbidden Door or CM Punk's comeback. I'm going to CM Punk's comeback.
0: Right, exactly. So that that that's yeah, the same for me as well. So. Yeah, so Um, but with all that out of the way, let's get into AEW Dynamite from this week that took place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which opened up with Jungle Boy Jack Perry walking down to the ring as he's about to talk. Spanish God Sammy Guevara comes down. He starts talking, but then Darby Allen comes out. And we have the three of the four pillars who want the AW World Championship. And I was like, let's go. Now we just got these three in the ring. And they're all going to be talking shit before MJF comes out. And Darby comes out and, like, already sets the tone for this promo. Already sets the tone for this segment. Talking about, like, you know what? I've known Sammy the longest out of all the pillars. And oddly enough, I like you the most because um,
1: you're a follower but I, No, you are who you are you are, are who you are. you are who you are. you are
0: who you say you are. But the thing I don't like about you is that you're a follower, and I think you sucking up to Chris Jericho in the JAS, I think Chris Jericho's holding you back, whether it was in the Inner Circle, whether it was in the JAS. He's like, but if you have a problem with that, you and Chris can come talk to me and Sting anytime. And when he talks about Jack Perry, he's like, out of all of them, you had to work the least hardest to get here because – You're part of the California clique with Resida and all those. So nothing about you intimidated me. And it's like, you know, oh, since you were friends with all the the boys from California, you were going to get in here regardless. Uh, Jungle Boy responds basically saying, like, I look at the paint on your face. See all the kids in the arena with the same face paint. But I was like, man, if they knew what you were really like. And the only reason you're can't you're here is because you couldn't make it as a skateboarder. This wasn't your first choice. This was my only option, is what uh, Jungle Boy said. And he said, to Sammy Guevara, he's like, we don't have the same t- kind of time to describe. We don't have that kind of time to describe how much of a dirtbag you are. And But I actually respect you more than Darby and MJF. Because Sammy Guevara is exactly what you get. Every time you come out to this ring, you put your body on the line. Uh, but you're still a scumbag, uh, is the big thing that he made sure to let him know. Uh and Sammy then I gotta say, this is one of Sammy's promos, like better promos that he's cut in the ring. Uh Sammy has always shown me little flashes of his promo ability, but I feel like he's always holding something back. This time I think he actually went wholeheartedly and just fucking gave it his all, and I think it honestly showed. Um and he's like, All right, you wanna be real, Jungle Boy, let's be real. Because you're just like MJF. Because both of you were handpicked to be here. You're the golden children of AEW. Darby, despite our differences, we're two sides of the same coin. We did everything we could and did whatever we can to make it. And we did. And because honestly, Darby, I have to thank you because through my struggles, you gave me hope in this place. And when his career wasn't going so hot, I watched you become the first pillar to win a championship in AEW. And you showed me that you can break whatever glass ceiling that they want to put on us as he points to the back. And as he sat back and said he could go – he sat back and watched, he said, I can do better. And he did do better than Darby three times as TNT champion. And he said, now it's your turn to sit back and watch him and me become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Um, And then Jack Perry then responds being like, nope, see – I'm going to do it. I'm going to still be the next world heavyweight champion, but I'm not just going to do it for me. I'm doing it for everyone who stayed with me and and helped me along the way and who stuck by my side, uh, including all the fans. And then that is when MJF comes out. So I will say, it's going to be a bit of mean, but since it is the pillars, if we're talking about the three pillars that uh, cut promos before MJF came out, um, my rankings are Darby, Sammy, Jungle Boy for promo for the for this promo performance and uh, honestly that's my personal opinion too in terms of promos like genuinely sammy has gotten significantly better i love jungle boy there's just something about it when he cuts promos it just feels like you know like when he did stuff with christian it was honestly really good i christian it was his best work i thought
1: okay yeah i agree
0: i just i just uh i don't know there's just something that doesn't click with me when he cuts promos
1: Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Jungle Boy, if you really realize it, he seems to be better on the pre-recorded ones. And I don't know if there's someone writing them. I don't know if it's him getting a lot of takes or whatever. It seems to be better. In this case, like I said, uh, I was somebody somebody posted today and I was like, Darby came out and shocked me. I was actually shocked by how good he was on the mic. Yeah. How, How poised he was, how delivered. How the crowd was behind him. There was, there was, everything was there, right? I could. He knows how to cut a baby face promo, right? Sammy, I thought was good, not great. And I think Jungle Boy needs a writer. <laughs> and it's like, and when I say he needs a writer, that's not me coming at Jungle Boy, right? There are. I was telling you before the show, there are a lot of amazing actors that can't do improv. Right, there are rappers who that can are amazing that can't ri- write. Right, there are musicians that just sing other people's words. Right, that doesn't make you bad. Right, in wrestling promo, if you can promo, and you can improv. It's great. The Rock is mostly written, like he wrote notes on his hand famously. Brian mm-hmm. G- Brian Gerwitz was his personal writer of all his promos. You wrote it. He knew how to deliver it. The Roman Reigns apparently is the exact same way. Then you have Roddy Piper's out there, artists that you can just throw a mic, tell them a subject, and they'll be able to cut the greatest promo of all time. All sorts of people like that. Jungle Boy is probably the latter. It's going to have to be scripted. He's going to have to pretty much know what the other person's going to say. Then he's going to have to reply. And it's, your job as the booker with Tony Khan and the producers and all that stuff to let Jungle Boy do what he's good at and hide what he's not good at. That it That's like pretty much the job to promote and get your people over. Get him away from what he's good at. I'm not putting Jungle Boy out there with MJF and saying, oh, MJF's going to say some shit and you're going to say some shit. No, no. If it's MJF and Jungle Boy out there, he knows yeah. exactly what's coming from MJF. He knows exactly what the reply is going to be. He knows exactly how MJF is going to reply because if he can't do that, it's going to always make him look like the amateur in the room. And this way, in this way, he looks like in on the promos. In promos, he is the weakest pillar.
0: Yes. No. I mean that. That is the one thing I think. Jungle Boy, um, like. Character-wise, like I think his like his the way that he came up, and I think all that kind of stuff is is interesting. I think his wrestling is outstanding. I think Jungle Boy is a really good wrestler. Um, But I mean, we're talking about a guy like Darby. I think still like out of everybody, to me, just fits. He checks every single box. The only box he can't check for some people is the way that he looks and his size. And I say get the fuck over that if that's still a problem because this dude is outstanding. To me, like MJF, obviously at this point in time, he is the top pillar. But if I'm talking baby faces, Darby is like leaps and bounds better than all of them. Like it's just, it's just outstanding from him. And again, I do think this was one of Sammy's better stuff because I feel like honestly the opposite with Sammy, where it's like if Sammy's not, if Sammy's pre-recorded, I think sometimes he can be worse, in my personal opinion. When he's out in the ring. I do think he does better. I will say this was one of his better performances, and then jungle boy he tried is really all I can say, but that's the one thing I'll say at that but, and
1: it was it was so bad. it was I know Twitter is the wasteland. Don't get me wrong, yes, but it was me. like after that it was like the people came at jungle boy for not being good it was yeah glaringly obvious that he wasn't the best it, this is not like this is not like oh my god i can't believe you say that you're so mean no it was glaringly obvious that he can improve there and it's been something that he's needed improving in it. i mean literally he played a mute wrestler you know at first part now it's like he's he's growing and i hope to see him grow cuz i think he's only like 25 26 he's still really really young so it can come and it can hit and you know what and you don't have to be great on the mic to be a great wrestler you can just be good and Mm -hmm. he might just end up being good but I I, I feel like there's a hill in there I've always said that about Jungle Boy I've seen it from the beginning I feel like there's a hill there and he might be magic when he turns when and if he turns hill we'll see but uh, yeah tonight wasn't his it wasn't his night and, its I mean, promos aren't easy. Promos aren't easy. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard. So I, I think he'll get there. And the thing is, they are doing something very, very brave and bold in AEW, right? Mm-hmm. They're Like, this is a main event. This is going to be a main event that they're pushing for Double or Nothing that doesn't include Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Hangman, CM Punk, The Young Bucks, the biggest names in their company, aren't being pushed as the main event of the next pay per view. They are saying this is this is not our future. This is our present. You're going to go out there and you're going to seek or swim, because we're going to have to build a company on you for the next five or ten years. And they they're going out there and they're just doing it. And they know they might take a little ratings hit right now, but this is how you build characters.
0: Yes. But, moving off of this, of course, MJF did came out and he was like, you know, ladies, ladies, there's enough me to go around. Stop fighting over me. It's making me blush. Um, Which is really good. Um, And he's like, I had a conversation with my good friend Tony Khan and he actually had an idea that I agreed with. There's going to be a Pillars tournament and the winner of this tournament will face me for the Triple B at Double or Nothing. One of you will get a bye in the first round, however. And with that buy, he decided to pick a name out of the hat, and he was just like, "Darby, you get a buy." And Darby's all like, "Let's go!" And then so round one, for the first time ever, we get Jungle Boy versus Sammy Guevara, and it's the main event of AEW Dynamite tonight. Um, gotta say this threw me off guard because I was like, "The but the but the fate of four way, but but the, but what the fate of what?" And I was just like, "Huh." Um and I'll comment more about this as we get later in the show, but that was my mindset as they made the announcement of the tournament. I was like, What uh huh? I
1: was like, Okay, I guess. Sure. And I was like, Oh my god. So that's the thing. You got to May 27th before pay-per-view, right?
0: That's the thing, though. I was like, this it's way too early for you to be doing something like that. You've the, literally got, like, a full month.
1: The red herring. And, and it's okay. It's okay because you have TV to put on for a month. And people like, you know, we live in this world of I want that now. So, say we we're getting a Fatal 4 right now. And I'm just like, then you have to somehow do a month, month build with, you know, four guys. And that's going to be hard. What they did is set up the next couple weeks and we'll see where we go from there. So I, I like, I like that move. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, moving on then from this, we had, uh, the tag team match between the Outcasts Ruby Soho and Tony storm and the AEW women's champion, Jamie hater and Pittsburgh zone. Dot. Br- Dr. Britt Baker, D M D. Um, it was cool to see them lead off with this, get the Pittsburgh crowd already going crazy. Um, and then, uh, Hmm. Cause here's, ugh, I, it's, it's tough for me to, because here's the thing. This match was okay. I will say it was okay, but uh, the outcast, the outcast, the outcast, the outcast. Ugh, sorry. Cat keeps trying to break into my room at the same time that I'm talking. So apologies for that. But so, um, Dr. Britt Baker got the win. Um, and, it did it as she hit the Panama sunrise on Ruby Soho and then hit the lock jaw and uh, locked it in and then forced Ruby Soho to tap out. Um, so the hometown girl gets the win with her mom and dad in attendance as well. I love the interaction that they had with uh, uh, Soraya. I thought that was amazing. But she just I don't know about the outcast. Because we made the comment about how like they would come out and it would be the same thing, you know, that they beat somebody, they'd spray paint them and then they'd get chased off by Jamie Hader and like Riho and stuff like that. And that would kind of be the end of it. And they just got beat by Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Like if they would have gotten beaten by Jamie, that would have been a completely different situation because, I mean, she's the champion. Like, but. I just uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, now, they did do something with the uh, outcast later in the night that I did like. Um, but I just
1: mm, I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. I'm just like the, the outcasts to me. Just
0: don't seem strong.
1: I agree. I think they fixed it. I I do think uh this was this came off as to me the outcasts needed to win this match. Right? They have the numbers game. They're up three to two. They have to win. It it this reminded me to me when uh I was the FTR live with Dax or whatever. Uh, show and they were talking about why the pinnacle didn't work right Mm -hmm. and it was like the pinnacle came out they came out and they destroyed the inner circle and they were like strong and they looked badass in the middle of the ring right and then like immediately the inner circle came out and came in and got the best of them and it was like I mean they got the best of them and they were like Like it took their to power away. It was supposed to be them kicking the Inner Circle's ass until they got to the pay-per-view or whatever, and then the Inner Circle finally overcame it. And that's kind of what I need the outcast to be. They should be getting the best of Britt Baker in every way, in every city, in every place, and then Britt Baker... If if she's gonna win the feud, of uh, finally gets the uh, uh, gets over on them to you know to build to the biggest reaction, biggest pop, whatever you want to call it, and it just feels like the outcasts keep getting the other side keeps getting better than the outcast. and it's like mm-hmm. for the women's division, you should be build, booking the outcast as strong as possible, like they're never coming out on the losing end right now. That way you build to them eventually losing, and that's what I'm like. Like last night, Britt Baker shouldn't have won that. Tapped out Ruby Soho because the reason Ruby Soho joined the Outcast was to get the better of Britt Baker. So you now mm-hmm. you're making her turn almost seem pointless. So right, and yeah. I and
0: I already feel like that since Ruby got there, like her her biggest moment was when she came out to Rancid at Double or Nothing last year when she tried to face off against uh, Britt Baker for the AEW Women's World Championship. And I was like, you know, like, that was my moment where I was like, maybe Ruby, like, really makes a push and, like, really gets a chance and then has an opportunity to, like, really stake her claim. And she lost. She never really got back to that point, And she'd been floundering for the most part. And I think Ruby is really good. That's the thing. I like Ruby a lot. And this moment right here for me, honestly... I wasn't a huge fan of it. Now, I, like I said, they did rectify it at least a little bit later in the show, which I did like, um, and we'll talk about that, though, when it happens. Um, but this segment, though, it was cool for the hometown fans, but honestly, I don't care about hometown fans because uh, I'm not from that hometown. Uh, the storyline made more sense if the outcasts looked more strong, and in this segment, they did not. In this match, they did not. So, Yeah, I completely but, yeah. agree. Uh, Wardlow was interviewed backstage by Rene Paquette about his uh, TNT championship match against uh, the, the current TNT title, Powerhouse Hobbs, and he had another horseman, as this man's already gotten help by, from Tully Blanchard, but this time he's got double fucking A. I saw Ari Anderson. I flipped shit. I was like, let's go. So, Arnison is back. Let's I, go.
1: I had a strong reaction to this. I was very excited to see Arn back. I, I, I didn't like that he pretty much wasn't managing or doing anything. You know, he was doing stuff in the back, but I like when Arn's on screen. So when he introduced him, and I was like, oh my God, this adds to Wardlow's act. And people like might get like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, Wardlow becomes become stale. BAM! Oh my god. God, yeah. god, he is the. He is seven day old bread. The Powerbomb Symphony doesn't get a pop anymore at, at all. There is no Powerbomb Symphony anymore. He hits a Powerbomb. I honestly think he should almost change his finisher because the Powerbomb thing's not happening anymore, right? But, um, yeah, so. I feel like he's been kind of stale and he, it needed a shot in the arm. I, our arm, I thought Aaron Anderson was even the it after Wardlow talked and who's not, you know, his character does not lend itself to talking, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like Wardlow and I honestly think he's probably a fine promo. But the way his, when his character was the best, he didn't say shit. So having a mouthpiece like Arn, and said, "You know what? You've been playing checkers, we're about to start playing chess that line. Oh my God." He's like, "Yes, uh, you know, T- Tuttle Venture made you a good te- uh, checkers player. I'm going to teach you how to play chess, and we're coming for you.." It was just like, "Oh my God, this is so good. This is like, okay. And, like, and, and what I mean? did I, did I immediately like strap Warlo up, make him the world champion? No. But I see the building blocks of what this union could be going forward, even making Mil- Wardlow more of a uh face and also giving him a vulnerability now. Cause R Anderson's a vulnerability. Someone can attack R, go after that, and it right. adds to add to a feud. I just thought this was brilliant for the overall presentation of Wardlow going forward.
0: Yeah. Um now I took this as like a one night thing though, unfortunately, like that they weren't gonna Stick Arn with him for quite some time. I hope that's wrong because the more I see Arn on TV, I'm honestly happy about no, that.
1: No, it looks like it's going to be a thing because, uh, oh, does it? Okay. Uh, if you go uh, on the AEW Twitter page, they did the after thing, uh, after a show uh, where they were together when he was talking about cutting the promo, and winning the title, and it seems like Arn's going to be in his corner going forward. Okay, fair enough. Well, I guess I
0: misunderstood that, but. Yeah, if that means I get more double-A, I'm all for it. Um, Moving off from that, though, we had uh, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, the Elite come out as they uh, wanted to address the BCC. And uh, Kenny Omega talked about how the past few couple weeks had been the most difficult in his life because of BCC and how, you know what, you're the four of the most respected professional wrestling wrestlers on the planet, though. That is until the last few weeks. He says he's having trouble sleeping, honestly, because of that image of that screwdriver in the turn, turnbuckle, which, of course, we remember from Full Gear. And he said, honestly, I wish I could have taken that screwdriver and used it on your face, John Moxley. And he's like, you know what? BCC, I want you guys in the ring. I want to squash the beef. Let's settle this like men. Brian Danielson appears on screen, though, and he's like, who's going to pay to see a monologue by a bunch of amateurs? As he's talking on the big screen, the BCC come out and they attack the elite from behind. They start brawling all around the ring, um, thrown over the railing, and then fought outside the crowd for a little bit. John Moxley um, eventually hits Kenny Omega with the Death Rider, and Danielson comes out to the ring. is like, exactly what I thought, you're a bunch of amateurs. Don Callis comes out with a steel chair, and Danielson's like, what the hell are you going to do? And Callis just runs away in the back, and we're all like, "Oh, Don, what a piece of shit, you coward!" Uh, the BCC then held down Kenny Omega, and Danielson all of a sudden had the screwdriver back and looked like he was going to use it. Don Callis comes out once again, but this time he has Kenoste Takesta, and he brings him out and he sends him to take to protect Kenny from the BCC, and then him and uh, Omega fought off the BCC. Um, there was a comment I think our, my friend Justin said. He's like. Uh, Kallus, that's not a Bushi. I know you might think that's a Bushi, it's not a Bushi. You're confused. <laughs> um, but as he said that though, I saw when, um, to me, I'm probably reading too much into this, but remember, Forbidden Door is not that far away from us, so like, here's the deal I'm reading into some shit. Don Callis holding up Kenny Omega and Kenoste Takeshita's uh hands, and him holding both of their hands up at the same time. How does that not lead me to be like, you know, like he's trying to replace Ibushi or he's trying to like, like, look, this is like Ibushi, see, just like the Golden Lovers. Like, it's a little on the nose for me. So I want Ibushi in Forbidden Door 2. It's what I have wanted more than anything in the world uh, other than a CM Punk return. So if, if somehow they're planting the seeds for Ibushi to show up for Forbidden Door 2, um, I would buy my ticket for Forbidden Door 2 immediately on, on resale overpriced if they put Ibushi on that show. I'm being dead serious.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, I'm not, of course, not trying to spoil it. I just like how my brain works. As I start seeing the puzzle pieces turning and it just like, I saw this and I was like, this is perfect. Don has picked his new Kenny and his new Kenny, his new meal ticket is to no skate to Kesha, And I think he joins the Blackpool combat club. And oh. I, I think that's his five. That's their 5 cuz you know everybody's been talking about blood and guts and I think that's their 5 you look at the BCC and Taco Tukos- uh K- uh Kinosuke, Kinosuke. It is, uh is one is 5 of them and then the other 5 is Kenny Omega, the Elite, Hangman and uh the guy that you just the Golden Lover Kota Ibushi he's the fifth member of if, the group. if that's
0: if that's Blood and Guts and if they book that for Detroit again,
1: oh, my God. Like, you oh know, I said, I, you know, I said, oh, I'm not going to Detroit. I can't make it. I'm like, they, oh, do, yeah? blood and, they do the Blood and Guts in Detroit and it, that's the five versus the other five. Yeah, I'll probably be a and Goods. I, will, I was gonna. I'm, say, gonna yeah. I'm probably gonna have to talk to the wife about making the trip to Detroit, dude. I might just jump. I might jump in the rental car and just drive there. I, 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 I'm not saying it's definitely gonna happen, but it would go from like, oh, I'm not going to. I'm gonna see what I can do to make this happen. Uh, but yeah, no, I just saw. I just like in my mind, it just that that's the five versus the five right there, and and I see maybe. Kanosuke versus uh, Koda at uh, Forbidden Door.
0: Uh, the, uh i i just i i the feelings in my heart right there when you say that
1: Yeah, it's just like the just like while listening you know listening watching pieces fall i'm like man that that sounds like that sounds like some good shit especially them five in the stadium stampede that uh double or uh what is it well yeah is that what they call it the stadium stampede that uh double or nothing? yes and if they do that, you know, and anarchy at in the, the arena, arena. Yeah, 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 yeah. they do that at double or nothing let's let's fucking go, you know, I don't know if any of this is gonna happen to me, it's just like my wrestling brain for the last however many years, just seeing how pieces seem how how it's fallen into place, uh this Blackpool Combat Club and the elite thing is one of those things that if your friends that like wrestling aren't watching, I mean it's al- It's almost your responsibility as a friend to be telling someone about this feud because it really is the best, like, group-on-group feud in wrestling yeah. right now. And it's like, like they keep putting people up against the bloodline, but it's never a cohesive unit, you know, in WWE. And I've and I loved the bloodline stuff. This is not taking it. But, you know, no one has been presented as a stronger unit as the bloodline, right? The elite were the strongest unit. You know, they've already beat uh they've already beat the inner circle in the in the um the double or nothing, you know, team match. So they needed a group that is cohesive. And a group that has been that has cohesive so far, has been presented strongly on all fronts, is the Blackpool Combat Club. So you got this group versus this group, and it's like and you see a little piece of the story unfolding every week. This is something you should be telling your friends about because this seems like, I wouldn't say NWO versus WCW, but this definitely seems like gang warfare, almost nation of domination right. versus you know DX or whatever, or the corporation versus DX, or oh, some of those type of old things where this is going to be something, and I think everybody should be telling your friends to watch it.
0: Okay. Well then, moving on, we had the TNT Championship match between Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow, um, the big meaty men step and meat match. Uh, this was a good match, I will say. This is a really good match, I thought. Um, eventually, though, uh, QT Marshall during the match uh, got ejected after he uh, hit uh, Wardlow with a cutter while the referee was distracted. But they still, um, ref still saw it pretty much and ejected him as he left. Though uh, Penta comes down and he is a. Uh, goes after QT Marshall, and um, he tries to run away uh, and get back in the ring, though, but then Arn Anderson pulls out the Blicky and fucking nails him with a DDT. Um, Eventually, Wardlow hits the Powerbomb Symphony. Wardlow becomes a three-time TNT champion, um, and as he walks back up the ramp, uh, he then sees Christian Cage with Luchasaurus, who smirks at Wardlow. Um... Um now I'm actually gonna look this up real quick because uh I know people have been saying this and I wanna make sure I got the uh information. Yeah, so okay. So uh moving off of when Wardlow won the TNT championship uh for uh the first time back at uh July on uh Dynamite in uh July of twenty twenty two. Um this title has fucking bounced since uh, Wardlow's first title reign. Joe held it for 47 days in November to January 4th. Darby held it for a second time uh, uh, for 28 days. Uh, Then Joe won it for a second time, winning it back from Darby. He held it for 32 days. Wardlow held it for his second time uh, at Revolution, and he held it for three days until he lost to Powerhouse Hobbs on the dynamite afterwards, who held it for 42 days, and then Wardlow just won it uh, last night when uh, we're recording this. This shit is bouncing, 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 bouncing. And the common thing that I'm seeing right now is how people are like, "Man, you know, the TNT Championship right now, it's getting upstaged by the uh, All Atlantic Championship." And you're not wrong. The All Atlantic Championship not only is it putting on outstanding matches, but Orange Cassidy has been an outstanding champion as a babyface. With barely any feuds, he's literally just facing whoever the fuck comes up against him, and he's putting on banger matches for it. Um, like, yeah, I, I, it's just, I don't know. And Wardlow, now for the third time, has the TNT Championship, um, and it looks like he might be feuding with either Luchasaurus or Christian Cage. Um, honestly, a guy like Christian Cage going after a championship, I think, makes it a little bit more interesting because he has the ability to like make stories out of this at least a little bit. But yeah, it's it's you can't you can't not deny you can't deny it though. The TNT Championship has been hot potatoe as fuck.
1: But I'll say this: it really was like if you look at the title reigns, right? Look at when Miro won it, and everybody says Miro's title reign was like the strongest. It really wasn't that long. It wasn't. No, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. But that's
0: the thing though. Is like mm-hmm. I wanted more, I wanted Miro to fucking go havoc with yeah. the tnt championship like he his was hit i mean his was the second longest in the title's history but still 140 days is not that long Don Arby's is still the longest his first title reign when he won it in the pandemic and he held it for 186 days
1: and that's what i was going to say about this belt i don't think uh this tony means this to be a belt that's held for a long time the world title gets its longest runs. It, it literally the only reason it has had any short runs is cuz of injury, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know someone getting injured, but it, it, he generally puts the title on the person and they hold it for a long time. It's like it feels like kind of like uh MJF it seems still like a new champion. He's on his 6th month as champion, right? He won in right. November of last year, right? He's into his six-month as champion. So that's the title that he holds on to people for a long time. That and the tag titles. Yeah, and the tag titles. The TNT title is a TV title. And if you look at the history of the TV title, any TV title, except for, I think, like ECW when Rob Van Dam held it for two years, TV titles bounce around. Intercontinental title was used like this in the Attitude area. It was bounced around. You know, it's a uh, it's a way to build up your wrestler's resume. Can there be stronger champions? Could it be booked better? Yes. But this is not a title that they expect people to hold for a long time. I think they're even setting up, if you're talking about the hierarchy of titles in AEW, I'm thinking they're setting it up. Uh, Tony is setting it up as the world title, the international title, which is, you know, the inter, you know, the, you think about it almost like another world title, and then, and now you're going to have the TNT title. I think the TNT title is the third most important belt in the company, and it's being treated that way. Mm-hmm. Like, Orange Cassidy, one of the bigger faces in the company, he's the face of the international title. He's going to lose it, but I feel like when he does lose it, it's going to be to somebody else that they're building, and then they're going to have a long reign. Mm-hmm. yeah so i just don't think it's there for it it can it be built better yes i you know, you know what and let me tell you about also
0: that. i apologize it's
1: called the international champion
0: now not yeah. the championship not the all atlantic anymore
1: yeah. I well, forgot. It, it is what it is uh we knew what you're talking about and then you know you look at warlow and hobbs i thought it was a good match i feel i feel like they got a better match
0: they have a better match, but I think for a TV title match, yeah, like yeah. this, was about as good as you were gonna get from these two. You yeah. put these two on pay per view, and I think they could do even better.
1: I still, I feel like the, I'm old. A one on one pay per view match, and like I said, I wanted like Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. I, 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 you know, like you know, uh, people talk about that match, and they're like, oh, no, no, it was like them just spamming finishers, and that's pretty much what I want from Wardlow and Hobbs. It's just them not just like boom. Finish your kickout. Finish your kickout, dude. You could have made this match to me m- twice as impressive if you made it half as long. It's like mm-hmm. you don't want to see two big guys that look like that going thirty minutes. You want them knocking the shit out of each other, going just nothing but home run shots. And I don't. I think they went ten or fifteen. It just felt like for what I want out of big men, uh, big meaning men match, it just wasn't enough big. It wasn't enough no. bumping meat. Like, we had yeah. two big beanie men, but it wasn't enough bumping meat. They didn't look as impressive as I wanted them to look. Now, I think it wasn't a good match. It was good. It was fine. But I wanted, oh, my God, did you see what Wardlow and uh, Hobbs talking are doing? That's what I thought. I thought after that match, that's what everybody was going to be talking about this week. And no one's talking about that match because no. it was just a, it was fine. It was. And it was good. It you know, was you know, maybe, good. It was, that, but it was and, not and, much better. And maybe that's my fault for building up my expectations for these two men. But yes, Wardlow. Yes, Hobbs. Call me an ass. Call me a mark. I want more than what you gave me.
0: Okay. Now we move on Man. to uh, another backstage segment with Sammy Guevara, who gets interrupted by MJF, who had an offer for Sammy Guevara, being like, "You know what? Yeah, I like you so much more than all the other pillars." I am offering you a blank check and a spot in the main event of Double or Nothing for the AEW World Championship. All you have to do is lay down. MJF, uh, uh, Sammy's like, at one point, just like, no, 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 no. And he's like, here, take the blank check, take it. And Sammy, like, turns MJF around, and he uh, writes on the blank check as uh, on MJF's back, and MJF takes it back. It's like, whew! are you sure? He's like, that's my price. And Renee's like, seems like a fair price to me. Um, now we don't know what he wrote on the check, but this kind of confused me again. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the match itself. Um, but, but yeah, so this was a thing they did, uh, before leading into the main event though. So like blank check signed by Sammy, uh, and about what, he just to lay down for the, I'm, I'm
1: going uh, to, to prepare event. you. I'm not going to spoil this. But I'm going to tell y'all, when they make this match, prepare for some uh, wrestling logic. Right, exactly. Don't go legal logic. Don't go UFC. Don't go real sports. It's going to be wrestling logic. And it's going to be like a real stretch. So just, just don't. Don't. Don't try to make this more than it it is. Uh, Turn your wrestling brain on. And maybe you needed a way to make it make sense in your head. Do that. Whatever it takes.
0: Uh Uh-huh. But moving on from that, we had the Switchblade Jay White with Juice Robinson on his side facing off against Commander. This match was stellar. This was fucking great. These guys did such good work was a little bit shaky, I will say, from Commander in a couple moves early on. But once he started going, he just couldn't be stopped. This dude goes nuts with his Lucha Libre style. He's wild. This match was so good that eventually, after the show, Commander was signed and was now All Elite. Huge news for Commander. Um, but Jay White eventually, though, he's able to fight his way out of it, hit a cutthroat suplex, which looked fucking vicious. And then he hits the Blade Runner, um, which I saw a video. Somebody who claims to be a WWE hardcore fan who had never seen much of AEW watched this match and was like, Sin Cara's got moves. I'm like, I know for a fact you did not call this man Sin Cara, you absolute fuck. Uh, And then uh, when Jay White hit uh, the Blade Runner, he called it Sister Abigail. I was like, you know what? I'll give you that one. That is funny how he called it this like sister Abigail. I thought that was funny. Um, but Jay White gets the win, the win with uh, the Blade Runner. Um, Sean Spears is a uh, brain side for the entire thing, by the way, just like throwing up numbers and all that kind of stuff. But when Jay White got the win, he held up a five. Um, eventually, though, Juice Robinson pulls Spears over the barricade and starts beating him up. They start beating up on Sean Spears until Ricky Starks come out and Ricky Starks fucking Spears Juice Robinson out of his shoes. When he came in and hit that spear, it was crisp. One of the best spears I've seen uh, Ricky hit. And he does a good spear, I will say. He evens up the odds. Jay and Juice retreat. And Juice literally shouts, Ricky! Which made me laugh. Um, but if we get a tag match between Jay, uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson versus Ricky Starks and uh, Sean Spears... That's a pretty fun tag match, I will say, for a Dynamite. So. Dude, I uh, I
1: mean, anytime you use Sean Spears, that's going to make me happy. I think yes. he's somebody that should be being used. I think he is one of the travesties in wrestling because yeah. of how one company booked him. That's how people see him. You know what I mean? Right. It's, like, and yeah. it's like, no, this dude's really good. He's really good at wrestling, so I enjoyed this. He's, you know, big, physical. I don't me, personally, you know, we talk about it as fans. I don't think this was the best first match for Jay White. No,
0: I mean, I, yeah, I, he, he took a lot of punishment.
1: I don't think... Like, Jay White is not this... He's a good wrestler. But the switchblade that had been represented in New Japan, you know, I don't feel like it was represented in this match. Even though no, it, he's kind not, of,
0: it wasn't really vicious Jay White for the yeah, most
1: part. Yeah, and I, like I said, I just don't think Commander was his perfect first opponent. Now, they did announce something cool about Commander after the match, but I'm just like, I probably would have won a different way on Jay White's first opponent. You know, I do and,
0: think that is really cool, yeah.
1: Yeah, so maybe, you know, I don't know who I would have picked, but I just like, it just seems like... Commander has a very unique style that you have to be adjusted to. There were some points in the match. Looked a little sloppy, which I'm okay with sloppy. But it looks the bad kind of sloppy, not the good kind of sloppy. And uh, so, no, uh, like, like I said, I'm just talking like a fan when I'm watching it. And I'm just like, I love Jay White. I felt like this wasn't a great representation of the Jay White I love.
0: No, and that's I would agree with that too. Like I said, the big moment coming out of this match was Commander becoming all elite. That was the big thing coming out of that.
1: Yes, and uh, I, I mean, I just want him to be used. I want to see this Commander. I want to see this mass superstar wrestle because there was another mass superstar signed a while ago by the name of Bandito. I, you know, I know he's a bandit, but, you know, they should have wanted signs up for him because we haven't seen that man, you know. So come on, Bandito, you know, come out of hiding or wherever you are and wrestle. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know anything. I tried to throw it in Google today and it did not nothing came up. I'm like, so I know he lives in Mexico. Maybe it's visa issues. But, yeah, we kind of miss you, Bandito. Yeah.
0: Uh, moving on from this, though, we hear from the uh, two-time AEW World Tag Team Champions FTR. Uh, Rene Paquette had told them, though, uh, Mark Briscoe got attacked earlier in the night, um, and they find out that they were attacked uh, by... Uh, you got uh, uh, Ari Davari, Tony Nese, Josh Woods, and Slim Jay. They all attacked uh, uh, Mark Briscoe, and FTR runs in there, and they catch up with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, and they... And he's like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And uh, Mark was like, you know what, you know what? Y'all can join up with each other, and you can take them on. Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett don't want to do it. FTR is like, And he's like, no, do this for me. And they agree to it, so that's what they pushed for for Rampage. We'll talk about that in the Rampage preview. Um, Then we have a face-to-face Chris Jericho and Adam Cole. Which honestly, to me, it's a big deal. I don't think it was necessarily treated by a lot of fans as a big deal, but this is a pretty big deal, especially for like big time feuds. Uh, I was like so hyped about this, and Adam Cole talked about like, "Look, man, if you followed my career, you know how much I've idolized Chris Jericho. My catchphrase was inspired by you, the uh, baby." He read his first book in high school and said he wanted to be like Chris Jericho someday, and he's like, "I'm here in my in Pittsburgh." Adam Cole, Chris Jericho, for the very first time in the middle of the ring, it's very cool. I offer a ton of respect. Chris Jericho offered his hand; they shook hands, and Jericho's like, "Yeah, Adam Cole, baby." He's like, "I'm glad you said that. I appreciate that." But from the bottom of my heart, I have zero respect from you. In fact, I think you're arrogant because the audacity you showed last week to interrupt my celebration—you're uh, lucky I don't slap you in your dumb face right now. And Adam Cole goes like, "Chris." How hypocritical can you be? Because when was the last time you looked yourself in the mirror and was like, who's the real Chris Jericho? Are you an egomaniac? Because you have the JAS when when your match is for you, because the real Chris Jericho seems like an insecure, fickle, stupid idiot. Nice. And he's like, look, you wanted to confront me, and I'm right here, so you have my attention, so what are you going to do? And he's like, Chris Jericho says uh, Adam Cole doesn't impress him. You never want to meet your heroes, you know that saying? That's true. So you don't want to know me, so you should get out of this ring. Jericho and Adam Cole start fighting. And then that's when the JAS comes in. Daniel Garcia comes in and knocks down Adam Cole from behind. Uh, Britt Baker, though, comes down, and she comes in and slaps Chris Jericho. And that's when the outcasts come from under the ring and attack Britt Baker, getting a little bit of revenge from earlier in the night. That's when Daniel Garcia handcuffs Adam Cole, and then he makes him watch as... Uh, the, the outcast, uh, gives a Chris, uh, Chris Garcia gives a, a kendo stick to Chris Jericho. Uh, Adam Cole was like, hit me, hit me. Come on. I can take it. He's like, nope. Gives it to Soraya. Soraya starts hitting Britt Baker with the kendo stick and he's just screaming like, let her go. Stop it. And he just, she keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. Jericho's laughing. And then Jericho and Soraya hug and celebrate and they leave. And Adam Cole just keeps saying to Britt, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." There was even a moment where uh, Britt Baker literally shouted uh, Adam Cole's real name, Austin, uh, and sh- like shouts for him. And I was like, "Damn, all right, she's using the real name. Okay, shoot." Um, but I thought this was a good segment. You know, it got it got it got the outcast some more heat, which they desperately needed, and it was in a different way than just you know the spray paint shit, which we'd seen before. This was a lot more stuff. But this helped more of Saray, I will say. Um, I still am firmly on the fixed Ruby Soho train because I think she needs a little bit more to uh, make her seem more threatening. Uh, That's just me. But this definitely did help uh, the outcast, I will say, significantly. Um, And this segment was just really good, honestly. I think Adam Cole and Chris Jericho is a damn good feud between two good wrestlers, two guys... That are like, like Adam Cole said, like literally like he was a massive fan of Chris Jericho and getting this feud, I think is really fucking
1: cool. Alright, well, I completely agree. I like that this made the outcast look strong. I think, again, they need to continue to look strong to build it up when uh, Britt eventually overcomes this. And if this is building to Chris Jericho and Soraya versus uh, um, Adam Cole and Britt mix match, I think that's what everybody wants. So I'm excited about that. There's a lot of places you can go with this. Chris Jericho, everybody's like starter feud now. You know, starting babyface feud. You got to go through Chris Jericho. So no, I I really dug this. I, uh, I love the escalation. It went from oh, I just want to fight you to, oh, now I hate you. And I think Adam Cole is really good at cutting those kind of I hate you promos. And Britt Baker, of course, is strong on the mic. She works with all three of the women well. uh, And it makes, you know, Britt the underdog. And it actually makes her more of the focus of the story outside of Jamie. So if you literally wanted to go a different route with Jamie going, somebody going after the title, Versus those three going after Britt and Jamie just helping her. There's a lot of places you can go with this. So I I actually am uh, very excited to see where this goes. And it felt like a big deal. And we got a lot of, you know, if someone says AEW doesn't do stories, there are so many storylines going on on the show right now. Like, it's almost too many. It's almost like you might need another two-hour show to cover all the storylines. Just throwing that out there for later.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, we then had the acclaimed uh, with uh, uh, Anthony Bowens, Max Caster, and Daddy Ass Billy Gunn versus uh, Cool Hand Angelo Parker, Daddy Magic Matt Menard, and Jake Hager. Um, apparently, this was a, st- a stipulation that was in the match that I didn't even necessarily catch was that if the acclaimed lost, they had to join the JAS until double or nothing. I'm like, oh, so you had to be in the JAS for a month. I'm like, what a punishment! Uh, a, a timed punishment. You have to be in my art group for a month, and then you can just leave. You can just do whatever you want. I was just like, oh, I didn't weird. like
1: the stipulation because it pretty much told you who was gonna win. Yeah, and it was hon- stupid as shit. And honestly, the other team should have won. Yeah, in this one.
0: So the acclaimed won pretty handily, um, and it was just there, like I said. And again, uh, the uh, JS Jake Hager Daddy Magic. Uh, cool hand Angelo Parker, like Daddy Mad- Matt Menard tries his hardest, like to really get you to care. He does. You see his promos backstage, and he tries so hard to make you care. Um, but it's very clear with the JAS, there is like a specific group of people that they care about: it's Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Daniel Garcia, and then maybe Anna JAS and uh, and T- Ty Conti or Ty Mello. But you're stretching it with those two. like Because they barely feel like members anyway. The only I, reason they... I,
1: I, I want to they- be clear. They just need to win. Yeah. It's hard to take people serious that don't win. And it's just... They don't win. Right? They might win on Dark. They might win... I mean, they win on Dark. They may even win on Rampage. I've seen I watch them all. But I'm saying to your main audience. Your dynamite Rampage watching audience. They are not a threat for the acclaimed and you need to do a better job of building them as a threat to their claim by having them win other matches. Yeah. On TV. No, it's that simple. Yeah. On TV. You need them to win it, you know, on the big show.
0: Yeah. So that's really the long and short of that. We move then to the main event uh, of the four, the four pillars tournament match between Sammy Guevara and jungle boy, Jack Perry, winter face Darby Allen next week. Um, now remember he signed the, uh, blank check saying he would lie down, uh, and that would be all that mattered. Like, you know, he would get an automatic spot in the, uh, main event of double or nothing. He didn't do that at all in this match. He didn't lay down at all. So I was like, well, hang on. Wasn't he supposed to lie down or something? Because he got that check. Um, didn't really get mentioned much whatsoever. Uh, this match was no, still really, he's really supposed good.
1: to lie down for he, no, the deal was MJF's going to help him get to the main event of Double think. and that's where he's supposed to lie down. Oh, I see. So just
0: get so, to the main event, and, and then just lie down in the main event match. Yeah, and then like you'll face
1: you'll face me for the championship. You won't win, but and you you'll be get in the and, main you, event. and you'll be in the main event of a pay per view for the first time. Wait, he's never like like, the way he was saying. He could
0: the way he could have said said it would have made more sense because he's like, you know, you've never been in the main event of a pay per view. You've never been in that spot before. I can get you in that spot. You just have to when you get to Double or Nothing, when you get to the main event, just lie down.
1: Yeah, yeah. They
0: they could have they could have worded that so much better for me to understand that because I felt like it was like leading like just lie down tonight and then I'll get you in the main event. And I was like, how the hell does that work?
1: No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. That's why he helped him win. Right. So that's the thing. Um, Darby Allen's
0: watching from the rafters for this match. This match was really good. The fucking move where like he had, uh, where he he flipped Jungle Boy. Like it looked like he was gonna do like a back body drop, and he flips him upside down, and then spikes Jungle Boy on his head with a DDT. That was fucking crazy. Like that move was nuts. Uh, these guys did a ton of great moves, Spanish fly off the top rope.
1: The, the final kick where he put him through the table, oh my god. Dude, when he I,
0: fucking uh, drop kicked him off into the table, that bump was vicious.
1: I audibly said, damn. And then the, it's like the the just the regular top rope kind of Canadian destroyer. I had never really seen it done that way. And oh, it was, dude, like, it, was it was like crazy. i had i had to go back and like oh my god they pulled it off so smoothly it's yeah it was it was well done bravo all that good stuff yeah hell.
0: after um uh they were fighting and all that kind of stuff the referee was uh distracted uh as uh sammy grabbed the referee mj climbed over the barricade and knocked him out with the dynamite diamond ring and jack perry got counted out and MJF and, and Sammy celebrated in the middle of the ring. Like, we're best friends, we did it. Yeah, Jungle Boy lost. Ha ha ha. Um and uh but still this match was fucking really, really good. Um and like I said, with what you've said, at least with that, makes way more sense than what my head was going through because it kinda confused the hell out of me. That was like threw me off so much with the check. Cause it just seemed very weird. Um Honestly, it just seemed like it would make more sense for him to help uh him just being like, you know, we used to be inner circle buddies, remember? Remember us? Uh, but regardless, um, damn good match to close out Dynamite for this week, I will say.
1: Yeah, it was damn good. Uh, I really yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love that they're trying to feature the four and uh, they really are just getting behind them and it's like sink or swim. And this period of time, if you look at the calendar, this is the longest period between pay-per-views uh in the on the AEW calendar. So this is where you build new stars. This is where you build to double or nothing. This is where you're gonna get a lot of the storytelling, a lot of billing because it's the because if you look at it, you go in the double or nothing, then you go right to forbidden door, right? And -hmm. then you are you're in the middle of June. I I think they do something in the summer. I forgot what it's called. And leading up to that uh, period of time, and I th- I think that might uh, they added Forbidden Door so it shortened the window because I believe the longest time was from Memorial Day weekend to Labor Day weekend. But now that they added Forbidden Door in there, and you know that's going to kind of shorten it. Uh, so your you're, uh this is where your story building is, and this is what's going to build to the over to the next pay per view. And I like the last few weeks have really been storyline. Uh, focused and it's just like if people like AEW doesn't tell stories, again, there's a difference between saying they don't tell stories and they don't tell stories you like. Right, exactly. Because every segment, every match on this show had a story that has been building way before this week.
0: Yeah. Now that is going to do it for our Dynamite uh, review. Uh, There's a couple things real quick before we preview Rampage for this Friday. Um, But I have to bring up, because this was on Rampage last week and we haven't talked about it, we need to talk about the FTR promo. And FTR recently, especially Dax, has been uh, the topic of a lots of people. A lots of people. And so much so that this meant that we also, unfortunately, we have lost uh, the FTR podcast with Dax Harwood. Had a short run, but Uh, he is ending it.
1: Yeah, I have to say... Uh, I don't think I am being egotistical. If you watch social media, I was one of the biggest cheerleaders for the FTR next podcast. You know, I was tweeting about it. It, it was my favorite podcast. Uh, I was tweeting about it. Went to the live show. Um, it's just, just it was. I thought it was the best thing because you had this live person talking about it. Uh, last week, he was talking about what he wanted his main event at the Wembley Stadium to be, and apparently that caused a lot of controversy. And then uh, certain people said he was gaslighting the audience so that they would hate the Young Bucks. And I can honestly say I've listened to every second of every minute of the Dex podcast, right? Generally, when the thing, dro- soon as it drops, I press play. This man has never said anything bad about the Young Bucks to this day. This man has never said anything bad about Kenny Omega to this day. This guy has never said anything bad about Hangman Page to this day. I don't know where he hates those people comes from. I literally don't know. The only thing is he says is his friend CM Punk misses wrestling and he hopes that they can work everything out. And I don't know how that turned into he hated the elite. But, I mean, I mean, I mean. Honestly, I mean, I don't know how. Have you? Did you listen to the podcast? Have you? Unfortunately, you I unfortunately have not been able to listen. Because I, really, I like, I will, I will throw it out there, and I'm not talking about your spin or what he meant was no, what he actually said. He never said anything negative about them. Like most of the time, when news would come out about the show, I would be like. I listened to the show, and it would be something i I remember him saying, but to me it was so mundane, so unimportant that I went on to the other thing right mm-hmm. but it would become news, and in his message he on the show, he said he truly felt like his goal was to leave wrestling in a better place, to put a you know put wrestling in a positive spin to talk about of uh, being a tough guy talking about mental health and helping people. And I think he did. I think he did a lot for a lot of people on the mental health. Sp- and I think he should be very proud of that. And I-, I shout out, I shout out. I know he'll never hear this shout out to Matt Coon. I thought he was the perfect co-host on that show. He was the voice of the fan. Uh, like I said, I feel like a loss because I was really listening to that show every week. And it had nothing to do with my favorite wrestler doing the podcast. Cause guess what? Cody did a show I didn't listen to. Cody had a TBS show I didn't watch. You know that he talked and he engaged and he communicated and he was vulnerable and he was in a lot of ways that I enjoyed him, his presence, and I enjoyed listening to him. And you know I you know he started his thing and I was doing my weight loss thing and again a lot of times just talking to him. And him talking about life and what he goes through and the different mental struggles motivated me to keep going. And I have a, a Facebook group of weight loss uh, people that are also losing weight that motivate me every week. Shout out to them. But uh, you know, it's just it, it, the show did a lot for me, and it showed a lot of real what toughness really is. Toughness is being able to be vulnerable. You know what I mean? Just because you're uh-huh. vulnerable, just because. You're, you show that you can be weak there's actually a toughness in doing that and being vulnerable so I really did enjoy the show I could probably talk another hour about yeah. how much i love the show but this is supposed to be a quick little segment yeah. it does suck it's, the, it's not cancelled it's just going away for a while I'm hoping it means that they did live shows I wish they took suggestions from the fans because I would have said this you enjoy the show you want to keep doing the show do a match of the week you know, do an old wrestling match of the week, do a watch along, talk about the match, what you like, talk about your life, talk about tequila, and just don't talk about any current events. That's what I would have said. And mm-hmm. that's what I would have said. And that would have been the show. And I think it would have been, I don't think it would have been as good because I do think there were people listening to hope that he said something bad so they could make news out of it. Don't get me wrong because, you know, people listen for, for that reason. But I think if he took away current wrestling, he could have still had a good podcast. But I, you know, I appreciate the ride.
0: Right. Well, moving off of the podcast on Rampage last week, uh, they announced actually, as they had just won the AEW World Tag Team titles for the second time in their career, uh, they announced that they had re-signed for another four years. And
1: one last run, baby.
0: Yep, that's what Dak said. We're giving you one last ride. We'll do it for four years for AEW. Um, is there anything you just want to say about the
1: resigning rumors? Dude? Uh it's 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 funny. I'm gonna be putting a lot of unnecessary pressure on myself to be at big moments over these next four years. Because uh, honestly, if you pay attention, Cody pretty much said the same thing, right? And I I I bring that up because it's like if you ask who my favorite single wrestler and my favorite tag team wrestler are, you are talking about those, those three guys. And it's just like, they basically both said, Hey, we're on the, you know, we're on the tail end of our run. And then the idea of being like 42 and actually retiring just seems crazy to me. Like, you know, like some of some some wrestlers biggest runs didn't start until they were in their 40s so the idea of them being 42 and retiring like the regular age of an athlete seems weird but yeah I'm going to be putting undue pressure on myself to be at some big events and uh just really show my appreciation and love for the tag team and there's some st- shit I need to get in there's some sh- there's some matches I need to see and uh you know there's some matches I want to get the run in on that. and so Hopefully, I we get it all done. And but you know they're gonna try to leave. They're gonna try to leave AEW and professional wrestling better than when they got there. And I I need at least five more matches with them in the Bucks. At least five.
0: Yeah. No. I'm I'm stoked for it, and I'm glad to hear that they're sticking around and for a good amount of time as well. Four years with FTR is something that four more years. Four years. One last thing we got to do before our preview for Rampage is that Floyd, you saw a tweet actually that wanted to uh, lead you to a question that you wanted to ask for this show, actually.
1: My very angry friend, Jonathan Snowden, uh, if you ever follow him, he's a very angry man. I love him. I love that about him because, like I said, I just like people. He said, the thing about All Japan's Four Pillars is they were actually the four best guys. They didn't just pick four guys who were there backstage one night and call them Pillars. So that leads me to the question for Mr. Austin. And for the audience, if you happen to listen to the show and you have an answer, I'm going to have this up on Twitter. Uh, just throw your tweet in there. If you happen to have me directly, just send it to me directly. I might discuss it this week. Who do you think are the real, with quotations around it, four pillars of AEW? Uh, Austin. I would let you start. Give me your names and your whys. Sure. All right. We'll do. Uh,
0: my first is CM Punk. I don't think I need to explain that one. Um, obviously, like he came in late in the game, but I mean, you cannot tell me that his arrival didn't make a huge fucking shift. You can't lie to that uh, Roman Reigns had the needle mover shirt after he made the uh, return. Bullshit. Like, Roman Reigns' run has been outstanding. You're not CM Punk showing up in AEW after seven years being gone. I'm sorry. You're just not. Uh, but that's that's that. Um, my next one would be... I would still keep MJF because I do think genuinely, like, one of the best heels in professional wrestling today um, is a great uh, champion so far. Um, and just... Knows his character, sticks with it, and he's done something that you don't see in wrestling anymore, which is be in kayfabe 24-7, which I think is a very difficult thing to do nowadays. Um, My next would be Kenny Omega. He's still the best bout machine. He's still outstanding. His run holding down the AEW world title and the shit that he did before he eventually finally had to go take some time off, get surgery, and get healthy, um, he did everything with that title and did it well, including being the belt collector with AAA, with Impact. It was outstanding. It was an outstanding run. And then finally, I would throw in Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. In terms of the women's division being like, you know, kind of like, eh, it's still been like a little bit kind of rough. Britt Baker has consistently been outstanding, I think. Britt Baker has, throughout the entirety, when she was the first female signed to AEW, she has been consistently strong. Obviously, she got significantly better when she was a heel, and she really found form in her character. But even as a baby fish, she was okay, I will say. But then when she started growing, she kept going, and she made—she was the face of the women's division. And in a sense, she still kind of is, um, which is still crazy to say when you have people like Soraya, and you got people like uh, Riho, who's also become a huge star, um, and— like, again, she, Britt Baker has shined more than all of them. The one person I was bummed I had to leave off was Darby Allen. He would still – he would be my quote-unquote fifth pillar because I would say uh, him being there I do think is a legit pillar, I think. Because in terms of homegrown guys, Darby Allen is one of those guys that was legit homegrown. It was authentic. It was believable. It was just – it made sense, and it worked. That's the thing. I would keep Darby Allen. Out of all the four pillars that were legitimately named, my two that I still think are legit pillars are MJF and uh, Darby Allen. I like Sammy Guevara a lot. I like Jungle Boy a lot. They don't feel like pillars, at least leading up to this. You know what I mean? Um, But my my real answer, CM Punk, Kenny Omega, uh, Britt Baker, and uh, MJF.
1: Strong four. Uh, that would make a great shirt. Uh, my pillars of AEW uh, since the beginning. I've, the, my uh, my uh, qualifications is that you can main event a pay-per-view or dynamite with these these people, and it feels like it would be a big deal, and it feels like everything they are in, whether wherever they are in the card, feels like a big deal. Uh, my first pillar will be Mox. Uh, in a lot of ways, the elite built the company. Uh, Chris Jericho gave it a name. But the f- the first defect, the first piece that was really there was Mox. And everything he has done mattered from the long winning streak to his first world title run, exploding death match, uh, lights out match. I mean, he's been in Texas death match. He bleeds every week. He, he literally fucking bleeds for AEW. So. Mox is one. Two, Kenny Omega. I mean, he's Kenny Omega. He's Kenny goddamn Omega. I'm like, like him, love him. He's your best friend or not. He's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Everything he does uh, means something. He made Allen Angels an overnight celebrity. People hated fucking wrestling because Kenny Omega gave Allen Angels too much in a fucking match on Dark. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Kenny Omega is the main event every show. Some of the biggest moments in the show. When he needs to be serious and just put on a match, he can. When he needs to be less serious and have fun, he can. He'll cosplay. The The dudes are fucking like Swiss Army knife of wrestling, the utility weapon. You know, dead Don Callis, he's going. He he made he made Hangman. That rivalry with Hangman made Hangman. And yeah, I, I could go on later. And honestly, the next two people are were two people that I think that were made by other people. Uh, MJF, I think Cody, Moxley, Jericho. Decided that MJF, they really thought MJF was a guy, and they gave everything to this man to make him the guy. And every step of the way, he knocked it out of the park. Whether it was performing, singing, promos, main event matches, his match was with Brian Danielson was amazing. He he he's a five tool pro wrestler. There is nothing in pro wrestling he is not good at, and. The company, really, he was their first guy. Like, he was their first guy. Because it was like, it was, you know, you were kind of painted that Hangman was the guy, right? But MJF was just slowly always there. You know, he was the first pillar to beat uh, one of the uh, elite, you know, when he beat Cody. I mean, MJF's there. And, like, if anyone tells you they don't like MJF, great. But if they tell you that man's not good at everything he does, they're just lying. And this is the reason the company is going to be not just built on him for the next few years. They're going to be built on him the next 10 years. Cause he's just good at everything. Uh, and then the yeah. other one was hangman. The, the other member of the elite of the original elite. I uh, I just think Texas death matches, you know, with Lance Archer, his title run, his journey to finally beat Kenny Omega, uh, the the beating mocks clean and like oh I'm a man uh, different promos that he did you know you know eventually putting over CM Punk he had to do it in a way that mattered I I think those are the four people that literally are the foundation of AEW right now now uh, again Darby all these other people matter Tony Khan's built an amazing roster but I think those are the four. That you you could drive home main event any pay per view with they are draws they are names they are everything and I'm not taking that doesn't take away from any of the amazing wrestlers but I think those are, that's my four and I even said I'm gonna do a woman pillar because I feel like it's a separate story because you know the woman's division is up and down booked and I think it's Britt Baker and I think I, I've been clear. When it comes to Britt Baker, whatever they're doing with her now is great. But if you want that TBS title and Jade Streak to matter, Britt Baker's like, looks at Jamie Hayter and says, That's your belt. I'm going after to prove that I'm. Oh my best. God, dude. I, I'm going after to prove that I'm the baddest in AEW.
0: Yeah, if that and happened, and dude, that'd it, be it, massive. Yes. I mean, like, I still think whoever wins it needs somebody that could get a push because I think, like, you know, Britt Baker. She's still already pretty huge, like, still, even now. Um, Though her stock has fallen fallen just a little bit, even though when she's not in Pittsburgh, I will say, because she's still hot as shit in Pittsburgh. um, I still kind of feel like whoever wins the TBS title has to be someone that could use
1: that rub, you know what I mean? And that's what I'm Uh, thinking. With Like, she is the biggest star in AEW, and I honestly think there is more growth to Baker, right? And I think... Giving her that scalp of jade adds to the mystique of Rip Baker. Okay. And I think it makes that title matter more, right? Right now, it's becoming kind of stale because it's been only one champion. Oh, it's so stale. And she's only beaten lower athletes. You haven't put her up against really your main people in the company. So put her up against Britt. Put her up against whoever. Maybe the outcasts look at her and they decide, you know what, numbers game against her. But you you need something. That TBS title needs something, and it needs the f- the fifth pillar, the woman pillar. Uh, right. th- uh, the, yeah,
0: what is well, it? if we're having the fifth pillar being the women pillar, it, the mine's also Britt Baker. Then you can throw Darby in as my fourth male
1: pillar. There you go. And I just think, but yeah, it was just, it was a wonder because I was thinking about that. Who are the actual pillars of AEW? Yeah. You know, because they, I mean, those four got the name and I think it's a cool name. Don't get me wrong. And I think by by performances, they have lived up to them being the foundation of what's Uh next in AEW. But it's just like, but the the way that the Post was, the pillars were already on top. And I mean, those four... Except MJF, because to me, he's the only pillar. Yeah, the rest pillar. of them weren't. Yeah, yeah like
0: him, Well, I still think Darby could still be a pillar, I would yeah. say, even though he hasn't won a world title yet. Like him being the first of the four to win a championship, um, I do think does set him apart, and he's just that fucking good. So I would still throw Darby in there.
1: You know what but, match I'm really excited for? And I, I know like a lot of people don't really talk about it, and, I, and if you listen to a show that they've talked about it, I'm sorry I don't listen to that show mjf versus kenny omega yeah i just i have we we haven't got that right i don't believe we have yeah i don't remember that match in AEW, and i i don't have the best memory for s- details like that but uh yeah i think kenny omega and mjf need to do they need to do yeah that no now. that
0: that that has that match has not happened yeah yeah
1: so uh i think that needs to happen and, no, I'm, right. I'm looking forward to what's going on. But uh, those are my four. And that was, a, that was a nice little segment, nice little way to break up our little review preview thing that we do every week. Yeah.
0: But we'll quickly go ahead and say here's the preview for Rampage on this Friday. John Moxley is going to be going one-on-one with CD, Christopher Daniels. I'm all for CD getting matches. I love him. Uh, Julia Hart goes one-on-one with Kira Hogan. we are going to hear from That's the TBS champion, Jay Cargill.
1: Yeah, Kara Kara Hogan and Red Red Velvet should be uh, baddies again. I feel like that took away from Jade's presentation too. I think she needs her baddies. I thought that was a great act together. And you took those two people away, and I don't know if Red Velvet's hurt, or she's not under contract, or whatever, but you took two people that were literally on TV every week, and you just got rid of them for absolutely no reason.
0: Yeah, the feud of like the baddies breaking up, dude. It just wasn't working. It didn't, it it, it didn't
1: work. work it didn't work, and it's just like, why did you? Why did you do that? I mean, she, yeah, I mean, she just the
0: baddies it. were a great uh, ad- addition to her character. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, FTR will be teaming with uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal to face Ari Davari, Tony Nese, uh, Josh Woods, and Slim J. Uh, we're gonna hear from the Hardys uh, and Hook and Isaiah Cassidy, so we'll hear from all of those guys. Um, And then we get El Gilo del Vicango versus Drillistico for the AAA Mega Championship. There's your match. Because, I mean, dude, on Ring of Honor right now, uh, Vikingo is going unbelievable with the matches that he's putting on Ring of Honor. Like, this dude has been ridiculous. He just does not quit. Vikingo, like, I tip my cap to that dude. He's unbelievable. And, I mean...
1: Yeah, I wanted to throw out there. Uh, it's on Saturday, this week. Yeah,
0: this so, week. Rampage will be on Saturday. NBA playoffs are going to
1: make Rampage flip
0: all over the place for now, so just be prepared for that.
1: Yeah, and um, yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be action-packed week. You got the best tag team in the world, uh, FCR. looks like their first feud is going to be everybody's tag team first feud, Jared and Lethal probably, and, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the one match we have announced for next week's Dynamite is uh, Tyra Valkyrie versus Jade Cargill for the TBS Championship. I feel like Not, they said
1: another one. I just don't. I, I like. I for the life I of don't me couldn't Think of or remember what yeah. it was. At
0: yeah. this point, I don't remember it. Yeah. So, but that is that. But we do have some other headlines though. We want to get to real quick. Uh, Floyd, you want to go ahead and get into those? Yes.
1: Um, we got some news. They announced more house shows. June second, two thousand twenty-three will be in Tupelo, Mississippi. June 3rd, 23, is in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, yeah, it's going to uh, the, the, the house rules, ha- house shows. And um, so the ticket's going to sell tomorrow. So make sure if you live in the Tupelo, Mississippi or Huntsville, Alabama uh, area that you go check that out. And Mississippi is now going to have, I believe, its second show in my state of Oklahoma still has not had its first. Thank what you. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't even know. I mean, this it'd be different if we weren't JR's home state. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's like we're JR's home state. Come on, make this happen. AEW Collision uh, rumors yes. came. Will be a two-hour show Saturday nights. Uh, and it appears, the rumor is, that CM Punk will be the star of the show and will lead what a lot of people are thinking will be a split roster. So instead of having one a show in dynamite that a dynamite and uh dynamite collision will be a shows and you know uh rampage would end up technically being like a b or c show um yeah, like I said, these are rumors. Nothing has been substantiated. Nothing has came out about AEW from this. This is My all... favorite
0: thing about this was the whole idea that it's like, oh yeah, they'll split the roster. People who like working with CM Punk, people who don't like working with CM Punk. The rest of you can go on Dynamite. Yes, uh, the people but... who like Punk, go ahead on Collision.
1: I'm going to say this. <laughs> You're going to find out a lot of more people want to work with CM Punk than you, you thought. You know, because... Generally, you hear a lot of positive things about them, but whatever. I well, mean, and
0: also, too, don't you want that rub? Yeah. You know, yeah, working yeah. with a guy that's like that big and that huge in terms of, like, getting people talking. Like, don't you want
1: that for your career? I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. It, it so It does think, help. I think we're going to do – yeah, I think we're going to do a roster draft. And, uh, yeah, no.
0: I still don't know necessarily if the rumored uh, split roster, like dra- like like roster uh, exclusive stuff, is going to me, gonna
1: happen. I don't think it's going to happen.
0: I don't think it's going to happen because my thing is that if you're going to do a split roster and you're going to do that, what like like that whole deal, like with what AE, what WWE does with Raw and SmackDown and stuff like that. First of all, they barely even do it anyway anymore. But if you were going to go all the way with the roster, like exclusive rosters. Um, you would need exclusive pay per views. Like, I liked the pay per view, like the show exclusive pay per views that Raw and SmackDown used to have. Cause, I mean, it felt like each show was its own, like, company. You know what I mean? Um, and then you had, like, Survivor Series and SummerSlam and uh, uh, WrestleMania, which had both shows on it. And, like, that would be, like, the typical four. But that's like, you'd probably have to have more AEW pay per views in order to accommodate for the split roster for all the storylines. Uh, and I just don't know if they're going to go down that route. So I don't believe the split roster thing for a second, at least. Not at this point. The AEW collision thing, um, I'm all, I'm, I am all believe in the fact that Warner Brothers Discovery wants to get more AEW on television. Like, I believe that 100%. What it attains to, I don't know, but we'll see.
1: If that, that's, if a, that's a lot of hours of TV that you have if they eventually make the streaming deal. That yeah. is so many more hours of TV that you have on HBO Max or whatever. That people, Yeah, now
0: they're, now they're reportedly just calling it Max.
1: Yes, Max, uh, which, you know, I have it, so I don't even think about it. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those things. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm really uh-huh. looking forward to it. Anything that involves CM Punk uh, being involved makes me happy. I've said this though. I I, I say this to this day. You know, building a a show around CM Punk is great. It's smart. But he like to me, he wouldn't wrestle in one on one matches very often to me. You know, and I mean I mean, as good a shape as he in. Right now, he seems to get hurt. Maybe it was just the seven-year layoff, and he just, you know, just the injury run or whatever. I mean, there could be a lot of things. I am not an athletic or health expert, but I do know that one thing from watching sports. People don't generally get less injured as they get older. Right. You know, once that stuff starts happening, it starts piling up. And I, I believe me, I'm going to watch CM Punk as long as he rolls, but when you're talking Saturday night, You're talking, trying to, you know, I just don't want him to try to wrestle every week. I know he loves wrestling. I want to watch him wrestle. And if you gave me CM Punk 10 years ago, I'd say, you know, wrestle, have him wrestle every night until, you know, against a different person. But this is a different CM Punk in a different age at a more, I wouldn't even call it advanced age. He's not old, but athletes, you know, when you're at this point, you know. You have to be smarter. You have to learn to work smarter, not harder, you know? So yeah, BCM Punk, cut amazing promos, cut people down, use DAX and cash to take most of the beating in their last four, in their four year run and then build two big singles matches that you sell and make bigger numbers Like you build to a big match on collision, then you build up to a big match on pay per view, you build to dream matches, you know, that kind of thing. And that's what you sell your show
0: on. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's what I've seen. I just don't, I just want Punk to be healthy. I want him to be able to walk straight for the rest of his life or whatever he decides to do. So that's a big thing for me. And I want when he has a match. It feels important, and he's out out there and perform, and he doesn't have to work, you know, like hard all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so yeah, no, it's the same thing. Yeah, like I said, um, I want to see what ends up coming of this. Like I said, I want Punk to be healthy and be able to wrestle consistently as much as he wants, um, and like work a style that is safe to him. Uh, and yeah, I just want I want the best in the world to look like the best in the world. That's what I want. So it's that simple. Um, but Overall, I think that's going to do it for this episode of All Things Elite. We want to thank you guys so much. And also, like we said earlier, because we asked, who do you guys think are the real four pillars of AEW? Uh, we offered what we believe, um, and we want to hear what you guys think, honestly. So be sure to tweet us at ATLEPOD pod for uh, what you believe are the four real pillars of AEW. We would love to hear your responses. Um, but thank you guys again for listening. Uh, make sure you download this show on Google or Apple podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you listen to us, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish, leave a rating and a review. Again, follow us on Twitter at AT elite pod. Tweet us who you think are the real four pillars of AEW at social suplex. are the guys that make this show possible, check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S Z U M O W I C Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson jr. On Twitter. And with that all said, I will let my boy Floyd take us home for this episode
1: of All Things Elite. Yes, uh, it's been a weird month for me. <laughs> it's, it has. It's like not the best things have happened, but uh, you know what? You got to think about staying positive in your life to the what you can. Think about what's good. Think about the people that are around me. Uh, think there are people around you. And that's what I'm just throwing that out there. Like, you know, we all run into bumps in the road. Uh, we all run into... Things not going necessarily right, but if you can, I mean, I'm not saying don't ever be sad or don't ever be that. I'm, I'm not into the toxic positivity thing, but if you are feeling down and then you can think of some things in your life, some people in your life that you appreciate, that you love, that are always there for you, think about them, focus on them, even shit, hell, write them a message and let them know how important they are and and how much they put you in a good mood. Because believe me, every day, my day does not feel right. My day does not feel right if I don't talk to JR, if I don't talk to Jackie, if I don't talk to Tiffany, and I don't talk to my best friend Jason, my day's not right. They are the people that keep me going, including, of course, my wife. I mean, I I hope I didn't have to say my wife, who I literally live with and can't go a day without talking to, but just in case, I want to make sure my wife is in there. But if I'm not talking to those people in my life, if I'm not telling them when I'm struggling, if I'm not telling them when I'm having a bad day or, you know, when I'm having a hard time sticking to my diet or whatever, or not feeling like working out, I, I can't move forward. I can't. I mean, those are the people I'm vulnerable with. Those are my pillars of life. So I'll say this, just like I said, name AEW's four pillars. Make sure you have pillars in your life. Make sure you have your friends that help you stay up and then be someone else's pillar if you can. If you have the mental capability of what's left, be somebody else's pillar. So I will leave you how I always leave you, whether it's home, work or school, always do your best to be elite what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health